Welcome to Across Africa, our weekly look at stories from across the continent. I'm Georgia Calvin-Smith, and this week, Kenyan LGBTQ plus campaigners have been fielding a surge in hate speech since a rights group supporting their cause was given the green light to register as an NGO. Also, a deal between Uganda and Saudi Arabia to make it easier for African workers to head out to the Middle East has resumed despite long-standing concerns about the treatment of some domestic staff. And an exhibition that aims to unleash the best of African contemporary creativity is hosted right here in Paris for this year's edition. We head down to the 193 Gallery for We Are Enough, part of the Africa Art Fest series. But first, in Kenya, a recent Supreme Court ruling allowing an LGBTQ rights group to register as an official NGO has turned out to be a mixed blessing. Activists have reported a surge in threats since the decision, and lawmakers have vowed to reverse it altogether. Robert Stecker with more. When Kenya's Supreme Court ruled in favor of LGBTQ NGOs two months ago, activists celebrated a victory for gay rights. But the decision has since been heavily criticized, especially by Kenyan lawmakers. This judgment, this ruling, should actually be re-examined through a review. And if the review is denied, rest assured as a house, we will move to outlaw everything they have done. In February, Kenya's Supreme Court reversed a ban on the country's Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission and reaffirmed its status as a legitimate NGO. But some conservative lawmakers have since argued such organizations should not be allowed to operate in a country where homosexuality remains illegal. Gay rights activists also reported a surge in threats and acts of discrimination against the community in recent months, sparking worries that the backlash could outweigh the benefits of the ruling. To me, it feels like queer people and queer rights are being used as a... I had said smokescreen earlier as a as an excuse to sort of divert people's attention for something else that's going on because I can't see how a whole nation come, can come to a standstill because of who I love. In Kenya, same-sex relations are punishable by up to 14 years in prison, but the colonial era law is rarely enforced. The country had in recent years come to be seen as a safe haven for the LGBTQ community in Africa but activists now fear the latest backlash could see Kenya take a step back on gay rights. For over a decade, thousands of Ugandan women have been flying out to the Middle East every year in search of better paid jobs that can help support their families back home. But amidst multiple complaints of abuse, assault and ill-treatment, last December, Kampala proposed a suspension of a labor agreement with Riyadh. That's now resumed. But there are still concerns about the safety of African workers. Our team reports. Like thousands of other young Ugandans, Carol Namugaya is heading out to Saudi Arabia. The 22 years old will soon be earning twice as much as the average salary at home. I want to get as much money as I can to help my family and maybe start a business when I come back here. I will also be able to pay school fees for my brothers and sisters. To register for the move, Carol had to wait until the end of March and the renewal of a labor export agreement between Uganda and Saudi Arabia. Jennifer, who used to work in Oman, is giving Carol a few pointers. They love kids so much, so if you find a family with kids, 
love their kids. If you love their kids, things will be well for you. Yanifer set up her own NGO to protect the rights of domestic workers. More than 80,000 workers fly to the Middle East each year, and sometimes the jobs go horribly wrong. Yanifer registers hundreds of complaints a year, many alleging abuse, kidnappings, and violations of contracts. They all knew, like they all knew. The, the things of contract, they don't, they don't want to know. The man can force you to have sex when you refuse. He can throw you from the maybe fourth floor, then you die. Despite the risks, opportunity still entices. But even for the lucky ones, the experience can be difficult. Rebecca worked in the Middle East for four years. There is no day off on the maids. You even work at night. You are not allowed to, be, to keep your passport like you're a prisoner. Because if someone takes your identification, you can do nothing about it. According to the government, the new agreement provides increased protection for expatriates. They need our workers. We also need to solve certain challenges, whether it's unemployment, whether it's stuff around uh, poverty issues. You're looking at medical insurance, repatriation, standard issues around uh, the welfare of a migrant worker in a, domestic, in a foreign country. The export of workers is linked to significant remittances. An estimated 150,000 Ugandans currently working in the Middle East send back around 900 million US dollars to their loved ones a year. Somaliland's been trying to win international recognition ever since it declared its independence from Somalia in 1991. Since February, conflict has raged in the town of Las Anod. The Dubalhante clan, the most famous in the region, wants to leave Somaliland, rejoin Somalia and form a new separate autonomous state. Somaliland's army has been clashing with the clan's militia. Bastien Renoui tells us more. We managed to arrange a meeting with the prisoners of war captured on March 18 in La Sanod, the capital of the Sioux region. There, troops clashed with fighters who want to break away from Somaliland. In the prison yard, soldiers give them instructions before the interview. The eight men say they are being treated well, but surrounded by soldiers, they can't speak freely. And when we try to understand more about why they were fighting, you can't ask these kinds of political questions. Just ask them about their health. The government invited us to cover the conflict, but we were not authorized to film anything else. The local clan, feeling neglected by the authorities, wants to leave Somaliland and join Somalia. The government has accused them of sparking the conflict and of being part of a wider plot to destabilize the country. Forces from Shabab, from Butlan, from Somalia has taken and make the escalation and the fighting of Las Anod to be taking place. To support these allegations, the minister shows us this confidential document submitted to the UN Security Council. That man is the commander of the Al-Shabaab in the area of Bohod and Las Anod. The next page mentions soldiers from the neighboring Somalia region. Mohamed Kahin accuses them of trying to create chaos and bring Somaliland down. However, the men's presence does not necessarily reflect the existence of an organized destabilization plan. 
we do not have evidence to suggest um, that, you know, Somalia has instructed fighters to go there or that Putland has done so or that Al-Shabaab has done so. We rather think, you know, based on a number of conversations with, with our sources, that those people have joined the fight on a clan basis. The issue at stake here is very much political in nature and will have to be solved through dialogues. The government says it's open to negotiations, but in order to start these talks, the militias are asking for the army to withdraw from the region. In the meantime, the government is still regularly accused of bombing the town without any distinctions between rebels and civilians. An exhibition that aims to unleash the best of African contemporary creativity is hosted here in Paris for this year's edition. We head down to the 193 Gallery for We Are Enough, part of the Africa Art Fest series. Born a princess into a West African Yoruba dynasty, Sarah Forbes Benetta was captured in 1848 and sent as a gift to Queen Victoria. More than 170 years later, she captured the imagination of Modou Dieng Yassine, a Senegalese artist who's based in Chicago. What really interests me in my subjects, I call them my heroes, is to allow all these marginalized ideas and these marginalized worlds to come up to the surface. They've been somewhat misunderstood, but as a culture, they've been our source of inspiration. I take photographs that are steeped in this history. I find them online and then I transform them into digital media and then I paint over them. Modou Dieng Yassine is one of the artists whose work is being showcased as part of the We Are Enough exhibit at the 193 Gallery in Paris. The exhibit claims to be a call to deconstruct the prejudices that make up contemporary African societies. What I'm really interested in is to show that African artists have something to say, and they have their own way to say it. Africa is a continent. Here we've got six different countries represented, but they each use different media and have different inspirations. Exhibit showcases the works of 11 artists, including Zanele Muholi, who documents the lives and struggles of LGBTQI plus communities in South Africa, as well as Abe Ogunlende, a Nigerian artist who plays with simple shapes and colors to try to convey the universal quality of human experience. Blooming marvelous. In Tunisia, spring is marked every year with an explosion of orange blossom. The heady scent wafts through the air of orchards and as well as being the darling of perfumiers, they're used in everything from coffee to medicine. Olivia Bizot with more. In Tunisia, it's orange blossom season. The precious flower, or white gold, is a source of national pride. Ever since retiring a few years ago, Samia Marzoug has kept herself busy every spring by harvesting the flowers in front of her house. She then distills them to make her very own orange blossom water. Every year I pick about 16 kilos of orange blossom, which produces about 16 litres of floral water. It's for me and my children, and we repeat the tradition every year. It's a ritual that Khania Mansour, a professional orange blossom distiller, has mastered. She uses an artisanal distillation technique that was passed down by her mother and grandmother. The flower petals are boiled in these copper pots. The steam is then captured and condensed by using cold water, which produces the floral magic. I've stuck to our family's traditional method because our materials are among the best in the world. 
Copper is the best for retaining the heat, and the clay pots are the best for keeping the water cold. The materials we use are 100% natural. Tunisia's orange blossom is renowned around the world. It's used in cosmetics, baking, and even traditional medicine. Well, that's it for Across Africa for now. Thanks for joining us. Do so again if you can. Till then, take care.